In fact, we want to make sure you have it pretty quickly tonight because it has inside of it the one song that we're going to be singing this evening. <coughs> and so if you don't have one yet, please make sure you do. They're back at the Welcome Center. I think we were able to get around and make sure everybody had one in here as we got started. And uh, you say, why is that the only song <coughs> that we're singing? Because I'm sort of the only one here this evening. <laughs> and uh, as I was <coughs> this afternoon and doing a number of things, and we've had some family with some head cold stuff around Christmas and everything, and I've avoided it for the most part, but when I was singing a little bit this afternoon warming up, I, I, got a, I have about 90 seconds, and then I lose my voice. And so uh, that's enough to do one chorus, and then... We, go. we have a number of people traveling uh, tonight. You see a lot of the staff is out of town uh, this week, and we're glad. We're excited that they get to uh, be with family. I was writing down a number of people to pray for uh, earlier this week and um, just kind of where we're spread all over the place. The Tigners are headed to Maryland. Uh, Gordon and Kathy Young are in Florida. My mom and Dan are in Florida uh, my brother's family and Philip Hassett's family, not together, but they're both in Georgia. Uh, the Samsons are in New York. The deepest Squalls are in Maine. So really, all the way from Maine, New York, Maryland, Virginia. We might have somebody in every state on the whole East Coast, uh, but there's a lot of people in a lot of places uh, this week, and so we're in prayer for them, and uh, we'll spend some time going over the prayer list and praying for them. They're traveling safely. We're glad that they've had the opportunity to, um, to be uh, with family this week. We didn't travel this year. That's a very unusual year. I tell people <clears throat> quite often we are traveling a lot for holidays. I'm 35 years old, and for, I have been in the state of Virginia one time for Thanksgiving in my entire life. Uh, it's been West Virginia or Michigan, one or the other, and this was one of those rare times where we weren't traveling for a holiday. Joy's family actually traveled down to us from Michigan, and then her dad got here, <clears throat> and he was sick, and so they stayed for a few days, but they were, had to head back, and, but we were thankful for the time uh, that we had with each of them. Hopefully, you had a, a very merry Christmas, a good time with family. We had an uh, enjoyable time together for church on Sunday morning, and thankful for each one that was here, and uh, a number of people that were visiting with us, and we're thankful for that as well. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer tonight. I'm going to introduce you to this new song, a, a chorus that uh, is, we're going to kind of ring in the new year with it, um, but as well, it's kind of going to be a chorus that we're going to sing throughout the year. Uh, I guess we could have sort of adopted as our theme chorus for the upcoming uh, year, and we'll, we'll teach that to you in just a moment. Father, we thank you for <coughs> your goodness to us, and we are grateful that you uh, have chosen to teach us of yourself, that you have given us your word, and that we can read it and understand it, and that your Holy Spirit can empower us to, to know it and to grow in it, and um, that it is alive, and that your Spirit makes alive in our hearts and in our minds, uh, that you communicate to us on a daily basis even this way, and we're thankful for that. And uh, we pray that you would do that even tonight on this holiday week. We're thankful for the opportunity that we had to celebrate your coming <clears throat> and your incarnation and uh, becoming uh, man and, and living and dwelling amongst us so that we could be redeemed by your death and resurrection. And so we're thankful that we had the opportunity to, to remember and to uh, celebrate that. I'm thankful for many that have 
mentioned that they were able to give the gospel during this Christmas time because uh, the world, in a way, celebrates it with us, even unknowingly, and we're thankful for those opportunities. Uh, be with the many that are traveling tonight, those that are uh, ill or watching from home, and that they would be encouraged by your word as well. And then we that are gathered tonight, uh, may we, by your spirit, grow in you. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. If you would, take out your bulletin. If you have it there, you're going to look in the middle, and you see a very simple chorus. It's called the gospel. death I live again. Very good. That sounded like you're picking it up. And I think as we sing it over the course of the next year, you'll find it's a pretty easy tune to get stuck in your mind. And it's good words to have there. Uh, the truth is, I came across a book recently that I've just sort of begun. It's about hymns and singing and uh, the songs that the church has sung throughout history and the fact that we make brave-hearted declarations of the gospel, that it is theology ingrained in our minds. And so as we sing, we want to be reminding ourselves, whether it's humming it uh, just in our own minds or singing it with silently or in the car by ourselves, we want to constantly reinforce what God's Word teaches. And I think that uh, this little chorus will help us do that throughout the year. Uh, turn your Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter number 9. You can have your place there and have it out. Also, if you would, have your prayer sheet out. We're going to look at some of our prayer requests to begin the night <coughs> and have our prayer time before our lesson this evening. And uh, so if you would, uh, have both those out. 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to read our passage, actually, our text, our verse. And then we're going to go over our prayer requests and uh, take these before the Lord together tonight as, as groups and as individuals. And so if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's look at verse 8, sort of a, a verse to start our new year, a promise to claim. And we're going to read it now so that we can claim it even in our prayers. Notice what it says in verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And we're thankful that God is able. And in thinking about that, that he's able to give abounding grace, if you would take a look at our prayer list tonight. We'll come back and have our lesson from this verse in just a moment. But if you would, a number of people <clears throat> to remember, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, just a whole host of people traveling for uh, the holidays this week <coughs> from uh, all over uh, this portion of the country. And so if you would, remember them in your prayers. Most of them are coming home uh, Saturday into Sunday, and some, a few, coming home early next week. And so remember them in your prayers, that they'd be blessed while they're away uh, by their time with family and friends. And you see there are the uh, names of people that were praying for their families and the loss of loved ones, the family of Grace Dowdy and uh, John Dorsey Sr. and of Earl Sharon, and uh, throughout these holidays especially. And those first holidays can be difficult. So we're praying for uh, each of their families. And you see there Mary Jackson, we're still praying for her recovering at home from a fall. I know a number of you uh, sent cards, and if you'd like to do that, you still can. And then um, Mrs. Watson, 
uh, still there at Vibra Hospital and uh, praying for her continued recovery. Um, Peggy Wharton has had some uh, a little bit of like a relapse with her sickness, but we're glad she's been here with us and just still praying for her recovery and treatment as the doctors work with her. And then uh, Margaret Nichols as well uh, with cancer. Uh, Brother Dowdy had some testing today, said it went well. He'll know more results uh, in the days to come, but he's home and resting. Thankful for that. Uh, Patricia Wilmoth had a CAT scan today. She has a shoulder injury and they're fi- trying to find out the extent and uh, plan uh, surgery or, or treatment as well. And then a praise. We know we've been praying for uh, really a number of months, uh, really more than that. I think even the last year and a half uh, for Rachel Hogg's stepdad has had a number of health issues and uh, really has been really on the verge of death a couple different times. And uh, the Lord has seen fit to uh, renew his strength and health on those occasions. And uh, he was he underwent uh, kidney transplant surgery last uh, Thursday. And so if you would uh, remember him in prayer. And then most of all, Rachel's asked us to be in prayer for his salvation. And so we want to remember them in prayer as well. Uh, I'd like to gather with whoever you can there that's in your section. If you have enough there with your family, then gather with them. If uh, there's another couple or uh, another friend or some people nearby, slide in and invite somebody to pray with you. And we'll take four or five minutes this evening and take these before the Lord. Share any personal request or praise, maybe over the last uh, week with the Christmas week. And share praise, and uh, we'll pray for uh, four or five minutes, and then we'll have one of our men uh, close us in prayer in just a moment.
Chris, would you close us in prayer together, please? All right, let's take our Bible tonight and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, there's a good chance that this evening's lesson will be brief, planned that way for a couple of different reasons. One, I don't know how much longer <clears throat> I'll have a voice. And then number two, we have a little bit of a, a church project that I'd like for us to work on for a few minutes as we finish this evening. And uh, we'll do some things together. You know, last year around this time, we... Uh, sent some cards out to some of our shut-ins and those that had moved away recently and a number of people. And we kind of made that a group project and it actually helped things go fairly quickly. And so we're going to do that tonight again, but we're going to do it with our missionaries this evening. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. So we're going to leave some time for that <clears throat> at the end this evening. Second Corinthians chapter number 9, look again, if you would, in verse 8. It's a short text, a short verse. Uh, so... We'll read it again, and maybe even by the end of tonight, you'll have it uh, memorized. Notice again what it says in verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. We're going to look at this tonight. We're just going to take it phrase by phrase, very simply, and apply it to ourselves. Uh, you know, when you come to the new year and you finish Christmas, how many of you would admit your Christmas decorations are down? They are gone. Anybody? All right. A few people. All right. A few people. My mom was going to uh, Florida to see, see Dan's family and they're going to see John move down there a couple weeks ago. They're going to see him on the way back. And the other day we had that like 50 mile an hour wind or whatever it was. And uh, it blew over some of their outside little Christmas decorations. And so... She and Dan went outside and they were picking them up and they got them folded and put it all away. So, you know, we're just going to put it away because we're going to be gone. So they put all that away. And then they went inside and a few little trinkets here and there. said, well, we're going to put these things away. And like a couple hours later, every Christmas decoration was gone. And uh, it was all put away. Some people are like that. They want to be done. Uh, I can be like that some years. It depends on the year. Other years, I say, let's leave it up till mid-January. We just didn't get enough of it. I don't know. But they... Uh, different people feel different ways. There's sort of this reset at the new year. Uh, for whatever reason, have you ever noticed that? For whatever, who decides that that's going to be the time? Uh, that you know, I know some of the history behind it. Some of you are thinking, well, actually, uh, who decides? Why don't we have it reset in the middle of June? Why isn't it at this other point? It could really be any. The truth is 12 months are going to go by. There's going to be seasons that rotate, and they're just going to keep doing that over and over and over until the Lord comes. There's nothing specifically unique about the new year from a spiritual aspect. There's really nothing biblically that the, that the Bible gives us that says at the new year is a time to rededicate or give yourself to God. It's a time to repent of sin and reset things in your life and renew. That, that can really happen any day of the year. It can happen at any moment. But in our minds as human beings, and we sort of mark our days by events, significant things, and we're sort of coming to the end of the year. We've just had a big celebration with family, and we as Christians celebrating the coming of 
Christ. And now we have a few days, several people, most of us have a, a few days here and there where our schedule is a little different. We're off of work, or at least the pace is slowed uh, drastically for these few days. And it's a time to sort of reset in our minds. Uh, it's the tax reset. And so whatever you had done in those last 12 months, that's done. And now there's sort of a reset for that. It could be a physical reset. You know, I diet and exercise till August, and then ah, there's a struggle after that. And now's a good time I can reset. Well, really, I could have reset two weeks ago, but that would have really messed up my Christmas celebrating. And so we didn't. I waited until the new year or whatever it may be. So it could be financial. It could be those house projects. It could be the things that you're trying to compartmentalize in our mind, and we lock them away. But specifically, there's nothing unique about the, the, the new year uh, biblically or a theme there. However, the Lord, I think, teaches us throughout the Bible the aspect of looking back at what the Lord has done, looking inward at where I am right now with the Lord, and then looking forward and how I dedicate and commit myself to Him. And the new year does tend to be a decent time, a good time, logically, to set aside a few moments and think about and dwell on what God has done in the last year, uh, what He is doing right now, what I sense and what I desire, and what He can do in me in the next year. And so you see there's sort of the title or what we're going to think about. It says, what you'll need this year. What, what are you going to need in the next year? And here's the truth. Most of us have no idea. And tonight, we're going to look at this text. We're going to look at this verse. It's not going to tell you the specifics physically of what you're going to need either. There are things that, if you just think about last January, January of 2020 to, to tonight and going into 2023, think about the last 12 months. Did you have any idea that you might face some of the things that you had to deal with or face? It could be physically. It could be uh, an illness, it could be a family member, it could be a, a loss of a loved one, it could be financial, it could be job, it could be the stresses that job placed on you or demands that you did not expect or you were, weren't sure that you were going to need or growth even professionally and you've expanded your role or whatever it may be and you had no idea that 12 months ago life would be what it was over the last 365 days. And the, truth, the same is true for the next 365 days. We have no idea. We have our ideas, we have our mindset, we have our plans, but the truth is, at our core, we have no idea what's going to come into our lives in the next few days, even in the next few hours. We are never sure of that. It's part of being human. It's part of being finite. But I want you to notice, if you would, let's just walk through this verse in thinking about it, because it's a good promise for the new year. Because what can we be sure of as we approach it? Look at verse number 8 again. Notice the first two words, and God. Uh, you know, Second Corinthians covers a number of topics, and this is sort of just placed right in the middle. He is actually calling the Corinthians in chapter 8 and chapter 9. He's calling the people at Corinth to give of themselves physically, even financially, to send Paul and others back to the hurting church at Jerusalem and other mission work that Paul was dealing with and working with. He's saying, you, we can serve the Lord in this way. But right in the middle of it, he plugs this in. He says, and God is able. And let's start with that phrase, that God is able. And in thinking about the coming year, I, we'd have no idea what we're going to face. It could be something 
Uh, it could be the, one of the best years that you've ever experienced in your entire life, regardless of your age or where you are or status or what has happened in the last 12 months. The next 12 months could be some of the best, most victorious spiritual months of your life. It could be some of the blessed, most physically blessed months of your life, financially. It could be wonderful. It could also be just monotonous. The 12 months from now, you may, nothing may stand out. Or the next 12 months, there may be markers that for the rest of your life, you'll remember a dramatic moment or a difficult time or a circumstance that God brought into your life that overwhelmed you, maybe emotionally, mentally, and even physically. But here's the truth that it begins with. What are you going to need for these circumstances? We need God. And here's the great promise that God is able and God is promised to us regardless of what comes into your life in the next few days or the next few months. God is able. And aren't we thankful for that? That even if we have a difficulty within our church or within our family or within your own life, that God has promised himself. He has not always promised immediate relief or resolve for whatever the issues of life may be. He has not promised the absence of pain, and he has not promised the absence of grief or loss or difficulty. But what he has promised is himself, and that he is with us, and that he guides us through those moments. Because notice <coughs> the next phrase. He's able to make, <coughs> excuse me, to make all grace abound toward you. Aren't you glad? It's not just saying that God is present and that God is able, but that God's intentions toward you are good. That in all things, this grace is going to be bestowed upon you or abound toward, notice the promise, you specifically, toward you personally. It's not that, it's just that God's going to blanketly bless his people and you just happen to be in the mix, but that God's mind is on you specifically personally, in a minute way, that God has every detail of your life under his control. And that in the next 12 months, not only is that God is able, but that God already has you in mind, and his thoughts towards you are grace. Notice what it continues, it says, in all things. It says that ye always having all sufficiency in, notice this phrase, all things. God is able to give all grace and all sufficiency in all things. In fact, the word things there is sort of added for clarity. The word that's there is just all, everything. He gives and is in control and has planned every aspect of your life that is coming, that you know, that you have experienced, and that you have no idea about. But God is able in all things, notice the next point we're going to draw out. Notice it says always, right there in the middle of the verse, always having all sufficiency. So God is able in all things at all times. There's not a moment of the next year that you're going to be out of God's control. There's not a moment, there may be a month that is darker than another month, but there will not be a month where God is not in control of your life, where he does not have a plan where he does not have intent for your good and for you to grow in him and for things to make you more like him and more Christ-like. That, Like it promises in Romans 
8, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God, that are called according to his purpose. And what is that good work that he's doing? The next verse is going to tell us it is making, making us, working in our lives to make us more like Christ. So he is able in all things at all times. Notice, for all good work. Notice the end of the verse. They may abound to every good work. Not just talking about our work or good work, but that his working in all things. And he abounds, he gives over and over. But what does he give? Notice the two things in the verse that he gives toward us. He gives grace and sufficiency. So what do we need for the coming year? We need God. No matter what you face, no matter what's coming, no matter the difficulty, no matter the blessing, no matter the good, no matter the bad, no matter the relationship with family or friends, no matter the work circumstance, no matter the interview, no matter the acceptance, no matter the, the decline, uh, no matter the gain that you have in your life, or the loss. It does not matter. God is able, and he is with you in all things, at all times, to do his good work. And how does he accomplish it? By his grace and by his all-sufficient provision. Not just in the physical sense, but in the relationship that we share and have with him. So we can make our plans for the next year. We can make our plans for the next 12 months. And some of us already have those. You may have a budget that is set out. You may have an exercise program that is lined up, a diet that is organized in your mind or something you're going to do. There's trips that you have planned already. There are things that your goals that you're working toward in your family or job, your work, even in our church. And we want to see our ministry grow and our ministry to the community and those that are around us and towards our own people. We want to see all of those things grow. But we find it in that ability, that sufficiency in all things at all times for God's good work by his grace and sufficiency. And so let's tag on a few verses at, here at the end and we're going <clears> to <throat> pray and work on these things together. Notice if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. So how do we begin the new year dwelling on Christ? If what we need for the new year is God, regardless, we need God in all things, at all times, for all good work, to give us his grace and sufficiency. If that's all that we need, and regardless of what we face, how can we dwell on that? How can we spend the next few days resetting in our minds and dwelling on Christ? Notice in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the day, evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. But notice that first four words, Remember now thy creator. We take time tonight, but we take time these next few days to remember the Lord. And it's interesting that there are days of our lives that we can go and forget God. Like forget God's existence, forget God's relationship with us. How many times have we made it to noon or we've made it to dinner and maybe we prayed for our meals, but other than that, there's not this conscious reminder of God's relationship with us. And so we remember and we, in our minds, focus on the Lord, what he has done in us spiritually, what he has done in us in the last year, and what he promises to do in the future. And when we think about our God, notice the next verse, 1 John 1, verse 9. 
while we think about our God, and if we dwell on him rightly, it should lead us to repentance. When we realize that God is holy and separate from all of his creation, when we realize that he is righteous and that he never sins, when we realize that he is loving and that he is merciful, when we realize <coughs> that he is pow <coughs> powerful and all-knowing, when we think and realize about these things and we see ourselves in light of our God, it should lead us to repentance that we have welled up in pride and tried to live aside from God, that we have welled up in ourselves this drummed up this strength and determination. I'm going to do these things in life. And we live apart from our creator. The creation is never meant to exist apart and specifically human beings apart from personal relationship with the Lord. And so we live our days in that way, which is sin. But the Lord promises in verse number nine, notice first John one nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you were to go back and read the first few verses of first John, you'll see who it's addressed to. It is addressed to God's people. It's addressed to Christians. He's not saying in verse number nine, though it's applicable to sinners that are lost, that if we confess and repent, that God will rejoice and save and work in our lives. But this verse is written to Christians, that if we Christians confess our sins, that daily, faithfully, he forgives our sins. And as you remember and you look back at what God has done in your life, take inventory of your own spirit. How have I reacted to the Lord this last year? How have I reacted to the circumstances that God has brought into my life in the last year? Have I trusted him for these circumstances? Maybe a more difficult thing to phrase out, not just have I trusted him for the difficulties and circumstances in my life, have I loved him for these circumstances? Because there is moments that I can trust God and I say, well, I have faith, but I do not love him, and that love is not growing out of that circumstance because I'm not viewing it rightly or properly. Have I trusted God in my circumstance? Have I loved God in my circumstance? Have I responded to God rightly in the last year? Am I growing? Am I finishing this year of 2022? Am I finishing it moving toward the Lord or moving away from him? You know, those uh, at the airport, hopefully none of you, I didn't fly this week, and it doesn't sound like that was a, a great experience for most people around the country in the last week, but you go to the airport and they have those, uh, I call them ginormous treadmills, you know, whatever they are. They're, they're not the escalator, but they just help you not have to walk as quite as far. Uh, but some of us walk down them, some of us run down them, skip, hop, go the opposite way, but they always move in one direction. Have you ever noticed that if you jump on and you walk the opposite way, yes, I have done that before, you can advance, you can you can move forward toward where you're trying to go. But if you stop moving, you move backwards. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. There is not a standing still. There is a waiting and a patience for the Lord. But in our growth with him, we are moving toward God. Or if we stop moving toward God, we are drifting away from him. So what could be described not just of the year as a whole, but as you have finished the year? And it's a good point to repent of any known sin or any stagnant staleness toward the Lord. And then we renew Philippians chapter 
2, verse number 12. We'll read a couple more verses. Philippians 2, verse 12. We remember the Lord <coughs> and His work in our lives. We repent for our own failings and responses to it. <coughs> we renew our thoughts toward the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talk about giving ourselves to the Lord, being renewed in our minds, and we renew our commitment to the Lord. We renew ourselves in our own salvation that we dig into what God has given us in our salvation, we establish ourselves in it, and we find renewal and rest in Him. Turn to the last verse we preached through it a few weeks ago, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse number 28 through 30. But that ultimately we find rest in Him. For some of us, the last year has been a blitz, a blur, just one day falls right on top of the next. Sometimes we're organized in our lives and we're compartmentalized and everything is very neat and we finish our day, we tie a bow on it, and we gently step to the next day. Then there are others of us that as we experience life, and maybe this has been you for the last year or the last portions of the last few months, is it's more like dominoes than it is stepping stones. We're not stepping from one day to the next. They're coming whether we can get out of the way or not. And it's I get, I get up in the morning. I do everything I can trying to follow the Lord. My heart is hurting. My mind is overwhelmed. And I close my eyes to just sleep and rest for a little while at the end of the day. And before I know it, the next one is right on top of me. And sometimes we feel that way. But the Lord calls us in the midst of this to rest. Psalm 103.14, you have it noted there. You don't have to turn there for time's sake tonight, but it tells us that, G, that God knows our frame and He remembers that we are dust. Aren't you glad that God remembers about us what we are made of, how He made us, and He is keen or He is thoughtful of who and what we are? Notice Matthew 11, verse 28. Remember the context of Matthew 11. He's speaking to Pharisees who are trying to earn status before God with their religion. And he is speaking to those that were in Galilee that had rejected the formal religion, but they also hadn't repented. They were relying on their spiritual experience and being around the crowd that followed Jesus. And he said, whether you're trying to work to attain something before God or whether you're just waiting around hoping God lays some great spiritual thing on you, here's his invitation, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice he doesn't call us to lay down our efforts or to stop our trying or to cease our living. He says, come and rest and take my yoke on you. Yoke is used for labor. And he says, in the midst of your labor, set down your own efforts. Take on my rest and walk and work with me. And so as we think back to the last year and we think forward to the next, we remember our God. 
that our relationship with him is the core of our heart, our spirit, our inner being. It's who we are. We repent of what we have done or how we have failed or the status of our mind and heart toward the Lord. We renew our, our, our focus on Christ and we rest in him. And this is what we need for the new year, regardless of what it brings. The truth is we look around the auditorium tonight and know that there are many here tonight or those of our church that aren't here tonight <clears throat> traveling or some that are out with illness, sickness. We can just think about each circumstance that God has brought into our lives in the last 12 months, having no idea what we would need. But what we need ultimately is the Lord. And we will finish. Let's read this verse together. You have it there in your bulletin or you can turn back to 2 Corinthians 9. But let's finish by reading this together. <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 8, if you have it there in the center of your notes or you're finding it, let's read it all aloud and claim this promise before the Lord. Ready? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Lord, we ask you tonight to bless and work in our hearts to give us all the grace and all the sufficiency for the things that we don't even, can't even comprehend that we will need. But we pray that you will work in our lives, that we will find rest and not anxiousness toward what we do not know, that we will find comfort and not a, a relentless pain in loss, but that we will find comfort in you, that as we move and work and have our being, that, that we would find it all within you. And that our relationship with you <coughs> would be the very thing that brings sufficiency, even in our most difficult or in our most blessed days. And we're thankful that we can rely on you for this promise. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <coughs> I mentioned to you a, a few minutes ago, and <coughs> we'd love for you to 